We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast presented by FanDuel. Nick Whalen here with Alex Barutha. It is Tuesday, December 5th. A lot of good birthdays this week, Alex. I, I actually uh, looked ahead a little bit. Uh, the rest of the week is in pretty good shape, but today especially we have Josh Smith. How old do you think Josh Smith is? 32. Correct. Oh, okay. Wow. Awesome. Uh, and Eddie Curry, who is 35. And he should still be in the league. He should still be in the league. He was in the league as recently as five years ago, okay, which okay. I remembered he, his last stint in the NBA was in 2013, or excuse me, 2012, 2013. He played in two games for the Mavericks. He picked up seven fouls in 25 minutes, and that was that. But prior to that, he played 14 games, including one start for the Miami Heat the first year that they won the title. Okay. So this would have been, yeah, LeBron's second year in Miami. Eddie Curry made a about a three-month cameo with that team, and I had no idea that that happened. I think I I like I feel like I knew that, but I think only because of 2K. And sure. like I think I played probably started like an association or mm-hmm. franchise mode with it and then Eddie Curry was he was probably dominant in 2K is probably the only reason I remember. Right. Um did not reflect his real life 
skill. No, a forgotten star, Eddie yeah. Curry. Uh, and lastly, uh, among the birthdays today, well, Semi Ojale, you know, whatever, not all that exciting. Somebody named Hoot Gibson. That's Hoot, H O O T, Hoot Gibson. I looked it up today. The only person named Hoot to ever play in the NBA, probably in professional sports, although you never know with baseball. There's all, there's a lot of pretty chaotic names yeah. at the turn of the century if you look back there but hoot gibson uh who i think we all remember from that that great 1949 waterloo hawks team yeah uh the waterloo hawks um one of my I, one of my favorite teams ever right. um you know notably they mm-hmm. beat uh their their best victory that year they beat the 1949-50 denver nuggets by 21 Mm-hmm. That was um, a good Nuggets team too. It, I, I love that team. Actually, you might be thinking of a different year because the Nuggets finished eleven and fifty-one mm-hmm. uh, in forty-nine fifty. I must have been thinking of uh, fifty-fifty-one. Yeah, that can happen. Okay, um, but yeah, so the Waterloo Hawks—they played one season in in their history. They finished nineteen and fifty-three. There's someone on the team named Bob Tough, and it's spelled like T O U G H. Oh. That, is Pretty that cool a, name? Is that a, like a that's, see, that's like a computer generated two K name, right? This whole roster is computer generated two K names, but uh, you know you can look that up if you want. Um, I know you have probably gotten a lot of Waterloo Hawks talk in other podcasts, so we'll move on. Um, Lance Stevenson, okay. I think I, I, if I remember correctly, last week I gave you the floor um, to speak a little bit about Lance at the end of the podcast, and well, last night Lance Stevenson. I hesitate to say this, but I, I would say it was probably the most Lance Stevenson move uh, that we've seen in game out of him. And there's a lot of strong candidates. There have been several strong candidates uh, throughout the years, but you've probably seen the highlight by now. Uh, if not, you know you know where to go for that. He was you know faced up on a defender, uh, put the ball between his legs three or four times without dribbling it. Um, yeah, you know, just well pivoting, it just yeah, putting it like very Harlem Globetrotters. Uh, type of thing spun into the lane lefty finger roll nothing but net and galloped all the way back on defense he did gallop um and you know he had that celebration earlier in the year i think it was pretty recent where he was playing guitar and we talked about that and now i just want him to combine the two galloping galloping while playing the guitar um which i i imagine will happen yeah that was um he he made a fool out of Frank Nelikina, I think that was. And uh, someone, there is a picture of him. Someone captured the moment, like, right before he lets the ball go. And the just the the pure, it's just Lance Stevenson's face is just, like, stoic. Mm-hmm. Like, he, yeah. it's, the the amount of concentration is, is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I know you and I are both in the camp that it's great to see Lance Stevenson rebounding after one of the worst first few weeks of a season that we've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's back. The Utah Jazz are also back. Uh, they won again last night, a massive win over Washington, one sixteen to sixty nine. I yeah, I got home from we had a, we had a holiday party. We did, and I got home and uh, my phone, which I should say, Google is now informing me about basketball scores. Never told it to. It just knows that I like mm. basketball. It hears me say that, and it lets me know the scores of games now without my consent. But it told me that. They essentially won by 40, and I was alarmed mm-hmm. because... That's the second largest margin of victory this year, right? Because Phoenix has lost by 48 on opening night. I don't think anybody's lost by more than that. I don't think so. Yeah, 47-point margin. 
not good uh, for the Washington Wizards, who are obviously shorthanded, but still, uh, you know, Utah did get Rudy Gobert back in this game, but you know, he was limited and yeah. still not. There's really never any excuse in the NBA for losing a game by 47 points. But um, I mean, I guess the bigger point right now is that Donovan Mitchell. Not that anybody really thought any of this was a fluke, I guess, but you know, after going for 41 over the weekend, you had 24 in the game before that, 21 in this game, and just 25 minutes of action. They've won six straight now after it looked like the wheels had completely come off yeah. when, when Gobert first got hurt. And, you know, now with Gobert back, we'll see how he reacclimates. You know, they had they had played well, kind of going small ball with favors at the five. You know, five of those six wins were by at least 13 points. Um, and granted, they hadn't played a lot of good teams during that span. I, I think it was David Locke, uh, the great play-by-play guy uh, for Jazz Radio, tweeted that during Gobert's 11-game absence, they only played one team with a top 15 defense, and that was the Sixers, who were you know an average defense right. probably on most nights. So maybe not the greatest sample, uh, but but either way, I mean Utah is right back in the thick of things now, and at the same time, you know the Clippers and, and Memphis continue to struggle, and then Utah is in the seventh spot right now and kind of going to be battling it looks like with those two teams with OKC maybe um you know with Minnesota and with New Orleans for those last two or three spots yeah I mean the the Jazz schedule was I mean relatively easy but they were still missing their their would you consider Rudy Gobert their best player I think I would so I you know even if you any team loses their best player right you it's really tough you just rattle off six wins in a row and and stay in the playoff race like that when you know I mean the Clippers lost their best pl- and let their best player and they're just falling off right. at this point. But Diamond Stone, right? <laughs> Diamond Stone and the main. Um, I mean the thing with especially Donovan Mitchell, he was. I mean we saw him being a high volume player and scoring a lot of points earlier in the year, but he wasn't doing it very efficiently. Like he was still shooting like forty ish percent. Like, but now I mean. Over, like over the past 12 games Donovan Mitchell shooting 47 percent from the field and 42 percent from three and 20 points a game four assists only two and a half turnovers um I it, it just one it's just I never would have thought that Donovan Mitchell would have a better year that or would be the he's looking like the second or third best player on the on the jazz right now uh, which I would not have expected so our colleague Shannon McEwen, uh, who appears on the Friday podcast, kind of, I, I guess I would use the word wandered. He wandered over to my desk uh, <laughs> sullenly earlier today, and or maybe I don't know if you were in the office at the time, and just kind of shook his head and said, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to get over the Pistons passing on Donovan Mitchell. Oh. And it's still pretty early for that. I mean, it's not like Luke Kennard hasn't been all that bad. You know, I don't think anyone, he's pretty much doing exactly what you'd expect about 15 minutes a game you know no one thought he was going to be a fixture in that rotation every night but yeah I mean if you're if you're redrafting we'll just look at the lottery for now and whoever else you want to throw in there how high would Donovan Mitchell go I've had this debate with James and we haven't really been able to agree so like if you're counting you know if you're kind of counting backwards I guess like at what point do you slot Mitchell in and say like yes this team definitely would have taken him here knowing what we know now I think Orlando at six over Jonathan Isaac. Okay. Uh, because so, – Go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say because I don't know – I mean, they have – you know, if you if they assume that Mitchell's a combo guard, they have Alfred Payton and um, Evan Fournier there right now, basically. 
And I don't know if I was if I was in charge of the the magic. I don't know how much I, how much faith I would put in Alfred Payton and uh, Evan Fournier. Still, like I like Evan Fournier. He's a solid player. He shoots his threes. Payton or uh, yeah, Payton still got. He still he can still pan out. Into, he's been much better this last like, year and a half than it looked like he was going to be before that. But if you gave me the option of getting Donovan Mitchell and you can you could have had Donovan Mitchell be a six man it's not like they had any great options for mm. backup shooting guard or point guard and I, under, I understand the Isaac pick right like that I think that's more of a long-term thing like the Josh Jackson pick mm-hmm. at four but I think Orlando would have taken him at six I think they still like Isaac you know I, I, I it's like if you could somehow ask that question to Orlando now like they would never say it of course they would say we want Isaac but you got to think they would consider it so if you're saying Orlando at six every team from six to 12 Mitchell went 13th you think every team from six to 12 would for sure take Mitchell over the guy that they took um yes I can maybe see the Bulls still wanting Mark in I mean I think Dennis Smith with Dallas is close right because I don't know if they would want um if they would want Mitchell and Levine, but I, yeah, I mean, I can six down. I can see. Well, it's all kind of what you teams. said with Orlando. Like it's to the point with Mitchell where it's like, what t- you know, what team's gonna be like? Oh no, thanks, we're good. We already, you know, we already have our a shooting guard. Like you find a way to get this guy on the floor. And yeah. and one of the, you know, I'm making air quotes like knocks on Donovan Mitchell was he didn't have a position coming out of Louisville, and we've kind of seen more of these guys in recent years, especially work out where. Sometimes not having a position means that you can just play multiple positions. Yeah. And yeah, of course, you can flip that on his head and say like he's not good enough at point guard things to be a true point guard, and he's not big enough to be a true shooting guard. But there's a lot of guys that have been able to make that work, and it looks like he's going to be one of them. Yeah, and yeah, I think I think the positionless thing or guys who are like the tweeners, like we kind of had that era with. Um, oh, I can never remember his name. Um, the guy that Minnesota took the dunker, Greg Steamsma close uh, <laughs> uh gerald green no oh the man. dunker oh uh, i'm i'm losing how long right ago now. this was like 2012 or something like that this was a bad draft the dunker uh, he he just dunked a lot and he was like kind of a oh Derek williams Derek williams thank okay you. sure i always forget his name but right. so people were like well these tweeners i'm not really sure mm-hmm. now we almost there's some value in that now well not that he was a great example of a right. good player who should but well, is it fair to say that it seems to work out better when it's you're either a shooting guard or a or a point guard rather than that situation where it's like, okay, is he a three? Is he a four? Now in, in today's NBA, it's like, could you play him at a five? Like we've seen guys like that, you know, Terrence Williams, uh, Terrence Jones, guys named Terrence essentially <laughs> have had a tough time. Thomas Robinson, you know, it was it's kind of it seems like it's harder for big guys who are in the middle maybe than it is for guards. That's true. I think a lot of that comes down to defense because you basically you need to be able to guard. When it comes down to you being multi-positional, you have to be able to guard multiple positions. Um and so I think that's easier. I think it's easier for shooting guard. I think it's easier for guards to guard other guards regardless of position than it is for like Derek Williams to go out and guard a small forward and then also have to guard a center. Um so I think I think that's kind of the situation there but yeah i mean as uh you know uh sam hinky was a big fan of drafting the best player available mm-hmm. and a lot of times i do i do think that's the right call and sometimes it does create issues but you there's enough teams looking for trades right. that i think you can normally figure something mm-hmm. out if you need to get rid of somebody makes you wonder even if like i don't know like would philly rather 
I'm still pretty high on Fultz. I think most people are viewing this situation rationally, but I'm it's sure like, he'll be good. yeah, I think he'll be fine. Like Fultz's ceiling, even right now, I think is still higher than Mitchell's. But you're talking immediate value. There are not many rookies right now that are you know you can throw into your rotation for 30 minutes a night and be totally fine. I mean, Jason Tatum is leading all rookies in in VORP or you know value over replacement by quite a bit. Which makes sense. Uh, Jordan Bell is second. So clearly, you know, it's a stat that favors players on good teams, right. much like Winshares does. Uh, but Donovan Mitchell is, is third in that category uh, on a team that's barely over 500. And that says quite a bit. Um, all right. What else do we have here? Oh, the Cleveland Cavaliers won again. They're good. Last night. They are firmly back, I think. <laughs> um, Isaiah Thomas, speaking of being back, sounds like sometime this month is looking pretty realistic yeah uh we're starting to see many videos of him shooting basketballs uh <laughs> into the basketball hoop uh mostly pre-game it seems to be moving really well for a player who's dealing with a hip injury you know obviously you can only tell so much from from a little pre-game video like that but i think all signs are that at the very least he's on track with this kind of original recovery timeline that we you know kind of started to see back in august september Right, yeah, Brian Windhorse tweeted that um, they're aiming for a mid-December return, and we're we're about ten days from yeah. mid-December. Um, so I, this this is a really interesting. I mean, I that uh, understatement. This is an interesting storyline to the season, especially now that Derrick Rose has decided to come back. Uh, also, this so this will throw a, a there has to be something more to that, right? This Derrick Rose situation. Um, I, I really and the fact that no he idea. like he was away from the team for a few weeks and you know a couple weeks before that even with the injury LeBron never commented on this once Dwayne Wade never commented on this I I don't know I, I have no information clearly on it myself but I think there's more than just Derek is sad about being hurt yeah I'm I really don't know he he uh, he uh ran away that last year in New mm-hmm. York no one knew where he was so I'd, I I really don't know but yeah when Isaiah Thomas comes back I mean this it's hard to say this team will be better because they've won. Is it 12 straight? 12 straight. 12 straight. Um, and Dwayne Wade's been playing better. I mean, this is the point where we're, you know, a lot of people still, I think a lot of people still like the Celtics to continue playing at the level that they're playing at. But once once the Cavs are at full, like full strength, it's hard for me to think that they won't. Like, I, I'm still going to pick the Cavs to finish first in the east um because i think they the amount of talent that they have is still and that's what mm-hmm. i've just been saying this this whole year is just it's too much to i don't, I don't know like to be bad <laughs> i think they'll win the east in the, in the postseason i don't think they'll have the best record i think boston will win the regular season again yet not that that matters and like i don't I, like if you, if you want to look at the west like it wouldn't be all that shocking if houston had the best regular season record yeah. you know the way that golden state is coasting um i don't know if you listened to steve kerr he was on bill simmons pod last week and like it's very weird to hear a coach say it but he was just, he could not have agreed more when simmons suggested that they were co- they were coasting right and you know it wasn't like uh, oh we're not trying it was like steve kerr basically saying like i'm trying to come up with ways to motivate these guys because i think they're starting to fall into the same trap i guess if that's the right word that the Cavs did last year that the heat did pretty much all four years lebron was there where now golden state you know, you bring back basically the exact same team. There's not this added Durant element that that kind of engulfed last season, and now it's like, what what do they have to play for? And we're kind of seeing that now, where 
you know, what they've lost, what, six, seven games already? And no one is really concerned whatsoever by any of that. No. No. Especially since, like, a, every every team plays as – they every team tries as hard as they can right. almost against the Warriors. Crazy how that works now, and teams are trying. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, we shouldn't – I'm not – like, yeah, I'm not worried about the, the Warriors no. losing that many games. And, I mean, actually, we I don't know if you want to pivot into this Curry injury. Yeah, why um, not? Let's do it. But, yeah, Curry, uh, I assume that it, it looked bad. That's the main thing. The MRI is coming later today. He kind of – he his toe was, like, pointing down, and he put weight on it. And it, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm sure everyone who's played basketball has done that once or twice before. Oh, yeah. Um, this was the same ankle that gave him trouble early in his career, Oh, right? was it? I think it was. Okay. I should probably double-check before saying that, but I'm fairly certain. Yeah, and so – I mean, talk about talk about a reason not to coast is Steph Curry being out for an extended period of time. Right. Uh, but I, I, I would still have you know faith in um, the Warriors taking first or second in the West. Not that it matters. Really, it just comes down to whether the team's healthy for the playoffs. But if it's one of these injuries that kind of nags, and you know if you hurt one ankle, there's a higher probability you hurt the other one. Trying to you know compensate, mm-hmm. so it's. We we just don't know what's going to yeah. come of it yet, so we can't we can't speculate too much. He's not going to play tomorrow, uh, Wednesday. I also I mean I think judging from how they've handled him, even with this minor hand injury that he's been dealing with, I would guess that he misses two or three games. You know, at at the minimum, maybe maybe up to four or five, depending on how the swelling is and whatnot. But I mean, it, it didn't look like anything. Every ankle roll or ankle sprain looks bad, especially when you see it in slow motion and the right. foot is like parallel to the ground. Um, but it, it's it's not like anything that's going to keep him out multiple months or anything like that. So I doubt it. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I I think where do you rank Curry as far as the most indispensable Warriors <laughs> when it comes to like winning for a two week stretch? This is a that's that's a great topic. Um, I actually I probably put Curry. I don't know. That's tough. He's one or two mm-hmm. for like, sure. One or two for sure. One or two. I. I don't know Draymond like the the Draymond argument's huge. Um I still I think I would feel comfortable saying Curry is still number 1. Like I still feel like he's the leader of that team. Yeah. And he, a lot of what he does on offense allows <clears throat> I think Draymond to 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 be as effective as he is because Curry is so good at running off screens and mm-hmm. and getting open threes that Draymond can pass to him and, and everything like that. It really is tough to say. It would come down to matchups, I think. Like, if you could say, all right, you're, you can either take away Curry or take away Draymond for an entire playoff series, you know, if if you're going up against a team that, you know, if you're going up against the Pelicans in round one, you would obviously much rather have Draymond in right. there than Curry. But if it's, if it's a different matchup, I think there's a case to be made that Curry's more valuable. I mean, it's for sure between those two, right? Which is unbelievable because we're just not even considering Kevin Durant, who's been arguably the second best player in the league for the last like seven years, and he's he's for me for sure the number three guy. Yeah, they're just they're they're just unbelievably good. I don't know. I mean, Durant once again. I mean, he's he's shooting forty percent from three. Um, I don't know. I don't know what they would do like if Durant got hurt. Would you just replace him with like Nick Young or like? <laughs> I, Omri Caspi, I guess, Omri is Caspi. who filled in. See that—that's what the drop-off is pretty severe. That's what—that's what makes me hesitate a little bit, is because I don't know. You lose Curry, you kind of can still do like a Andre Iguodala thing. I don't know. It's not the same. But I mean, they—they like, they basically had Harrison Barnes fill in for Durant and were 
pretty solid. Yeah. I mean, Harrison Barnes is probably better than anyone else on this roster to fill in, but Durant's, Durant's defense too has been yes. really good. So that's 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 one case for Durant right. and Draymond over Curry. If mm-hmm. if you you know, I think you can make that argument because uh Durant's at basically a steal and two blocks a game this year, in addition to scoring twenty five points a game on forty percent mm-hmm. from three. So, you know, it's I I don't even know how you how you guard that team. Like if any of those four players go out, that's the thing. It's like it doesn't two of those guys need to go out for me to have so much confidence that any other team in the league could take them down in a seven game series. Right. Um like did you like I just looked at this today. Did you know Clay Thompson shooting forty seven percent from three? I did not know We're that. I assumed he in. was doing all right. He's still uh, shooting forty seven percent. That's wild. He's no Aaron Gordon, but maybe mm. he'll get there someday. Maybe. Yeah, I, this all serves to to say that the Warriors are good. They will probably remain good through this Curry injury, probably, uh, and I think they'll be just fine. So they were down thirty. No, not thirty. 20, 20 at the half yeah. last night, and even twenty came back at one by ten. We've seen them do this before. Uh, the bigger story, though, was Durant and DeMarcus Cousins both got kicked out of this game. Uh, I think with, it was just under two minutes remaining. Yeah. It was decided at that point. Uh, but Dur- Durant has now been kicked out of three games already this year, <laughs> which obviously leads the NBA. And so, what, three ejections in 20 games for Kevin Durant? I, would, I mean, how many ejections did he have in his whole career prior to this year? No idea. Less than five, I would imagine. I, yeah, I'd... I'd I don't know. I don't this is actually you. a very hard stat to find. I tried looking it up earlier, and it's just not really all that available. Um, the leader last season in total ejections, Markeith Morris and Paul George, tied for four with four. So we're only 20 games in. Durant is on pace to shatter that. Yeah, he is. Um, let's see. So yeah, he's been ejected three times. That's a league high. DeMarcus Cousins is, is second with two, and then a bunch of guys with one. Right. Um, I was going to ask you if you could name all the guys who've been ejected, but this is a pretty obscure list. I can't do that, yeah. No, it's tough. Um, DeMarcus Cousins leads the league in Tex, if you were wondering. Okay. Um, oh, who do you think leads the league in flagrants? There's only one player who's committed three flagrants this year. Oh, man. Saza. Mm-mm. Okay. Maurice Spates. He's averaging 12 minutes per game. He's committed three flagrant fouls. You <laughs> So he's well, yeah. You know, Jonathan Isaac goes out. You need that. Uh, mm-hmm. You need that muscle mentality. You get you throw spades in there. I, I, we should do the the per thirty six calculation on that, or like per hundred possessions. He's, he's like <laughs> flagrants per like fifteen percent of the minutes he's on the court. He's committing flagrant fouls. Uh, okay, so we we vowed uh, last week to talk about the Detroit Pistons, and that seemed like a good idea at the time. And it's just they're just such an uninspiring team, but you know since. Well, they've lost. Th- yeah, I think since they've, they've lost, lost three in a row since we said that. They've lost three in a row. Uh, they got blown out by Washington. They lost to Philly, and then they lost to the Spurs the other night. So, yeah, we. I think the the point, if I remember correctly, was we were going to praise them because they were much better than at least I expected. Andre Drummond was playing well, right? And those are mostly still the case, especially for Drummond. Um, but now the last couple, you know, the last week or so, they've kind of looked more like maybe the Pistons that we expected. That said, where, you know, when we get to like midseason, 40 odd games under our belts, like where's Detroit going to be? I think it's still a little bit early to kind of predict the the order in the East, you know, Washington sitting in eighth with John Wall hurt, stuff like that. But Detroit sitting in fourth right now, Boston, Cleveland, Toronto, Detroit, Philly are the top five. 
can they climb much higher? Can they sink much lower? Like, where do you see them ultimately falling in here? I could see them. I like them at six or seven. I, I like, I still think the 76ers are better than the Pistons. And I've, I, yeah. some people might not agree with that. Um, but I, I, I still, I still believe that. And Milwaukee is, I, I don't even know how I feel about Milwaukee. I watch Milwaukee like every game they play, and I still don't know how how I feel about them. Mm-hmm. It, the eight and four since the Bledsoe trade uh, is encouraging. Um, they they made the game close last night against the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, it couldn't work out. Giannis was trying to carry the team on his back. A lot of bad habits kind of came back out. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think they're worse than Indiana. Um, Washington is they're kind of they're in free fall a little bit with John Wall out. Um I would I would feel comfortable putting Detroit at 6. Mm-hmm. Which so, I, they feel they're all like always a 6 seed to me. Right. But. I think anywhere from 5 to 8 seems reasonable for Detroit. Like is there a team in this top 8 right now that you think ultimately falls out in a team like Miami or the Knicks or the Hornets or you know Orlando gets hot again? Like is there any team below the the current top 8 that that sneaks in there? I think it has to be Miami, right? I mean, if if that is the case, I think I think it is Miami. I'm a little worried about Hassan Whiteside's. He's a little injury. worried about it too. Yeah, yeah, because he called it serious. <laughs> yeah, and the he's team like, is like, yeah, it's not that bad. He's, he's like, like, no, it is. He's like, I'm not coming back. Okay, right. the thing is, he's like, I'm not coming back till I'm fully healthy, and he's got a bone bruise in his knee. And I remember last year, Rodney Hood and Derek Favors had bone bruises in their knee, and they missed plenty of games yeah i mean gobert had a bone bruise i think in the tibia but you know still a lower leg bone bruise that was 11 games yeah and i think yeah hogan favors missed 20 30 games with these bone bruises so i i'm a little worried about the white side situation um i as i i love Przingis and Cantor, like the front court they have like a lot of guys you know doing good. tim hardaway jr has been great he's actually he's earning his money um but i still do worry i i still think it's t- it's tough to say they have less talent than Indiana. I do think Indiana has more talent. They have more depth, and they have you know from like one to ten. Um, but so I could I could see maybe New York. Um, but yeah, the the white side thing for Miami mm-hmm. worries me a lot, and no one else on that roster is is stepping up too much. Like Olenek's been okay. Like he's been solid since like white side's gone right. out. But like Bam Adebayo is not i don't know if he's not really playing at nba level yet yeah no i mean miami this should be the expectation right like you look at that roster and it doesn't really scream 50 win team yeah it's a five they're they're one game below 500 they i think before the year they looked like a 40 41 42 win team and as of right now that's you know right where they're about to finish so um let's talk western conference all-stars in a second but first uh fanduel sponsors the show they want me to say that basketball is back, which it is. It's fantasy basketball for everyday fans on FanDuel. They have new contests that start every single day. Uh, that means no busted seasons, like the ESPN team that we have in the <laughs> office that is in 15th place right now behind <laughs> behind a bunch of people that really don't even know the NBA. Uh, but FanDuel offers something for everyone. Tons of contests to choose from starting at just $1. All you have to do Pick a contest, select your players, and watch your score in real time. Over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, all you have to do is go to fanduel.com slash RW. 
that will get you not only access to FanDuel, but a free six-month Rotowire subscription with your first deposit on FanDuel. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash RW, void where prohibited. All right, Western Conference All-Star predictions. Um, I kind of, I didn't, I purposely didn't put a lot of time into these because I kind of want it to be more impulsive this time. In like a month or so, we'll, we'll go through this again and actually, um, you know, really, really kind of suss it out. But this should be, in my opinion, I think quite a bit more difficult than the East. At least that's my expectation going in. I don't know. Maybe we'll get through this list and there will be more of a clear cutoff point than there was for the East. Uh, and if you want to hear about that, James and I talked East All-Stars on the podcast last Thursday. But I think it, you know, it begins with James Harden, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, a lock to start at one guard. And we're going to be in the same situation we were in last year where there can only be two starting guards and Russell Westbrook and Steph Curry are both putting together very good years. One of those two is not going to start. Who right. is it? Uh, I think Westbrook starts. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't have like, I, that's just my opinion. Like I, I think that his, just his raw numbers are still too good. Like I understand like, his scoring, like he's averaging like 10 less points a game mm-hmm. than he did last year. And he's not doing it particularly efficiently, which like, like that's, that's, that should be a knock on him. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's Curry, but see, yeah, now you I got think it. it'll be Curry. Okay. Because I mean, record wise advantage, Golden State. That's true. Overall numbers, like raw per game numbers, Russ is probably better. I mean, he... He's pretty much averaging a triple-double, which nobody's talking about because, one, the Thunder are struggling, and, two, he did it last year, so it, the novelty is kind of worn off, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but Curry, I mean, Curry's been as good as ever, too. And I guess maybe we'll see if he ends up missing extended time with this ankle issue. You know, maybe that ends up deciding it. But assuming he's healthy, I think I would give him the slight edge. It seems like he would probably get the fan vote. I mean, I think internationally curry is is huge yeah he is and even and I, westbrook is too but i think curry's on another level when it comes to that yeah i'll concede to that i think i think westbrook could start if it really i think yeah you, you make a point i think the record if westbrook if the if the thunder can like kind of save their save their record a little bit mm-hmm. before leading up to the all-star break and they maybe you know win 75 percent of their games from now until the all-star break and westbrook you know sure. um i think then he has a strong case but um yeah i'll change my mind on that i think you're okay. right about curry okay fair enough um so harden russ curry are, are clearly the top three guards yeah i i mean if history tells us anything clay thompson probably gets in like you said i mean he's playing better to date now than he was at this time last year yeah um so i think you can pencil him in as a guard for now i mean Damian Lillard's been pretty good, but efficiency-wise, hasn't the, been as good as in recent years. The percentages are bad right, right. now. It's like if if, it, if, it, if one Blazer gets in, it, honestly, McCollum might be more deserving right now. But the last couple of years, neither of those guys have gotten in. No. Um, you have Chris Paul, who, if he plays enough games and Houston's in first place by a couple games at the All-Star break, he's going to have a pretty strong case because... I think it would be kind of strange to not have more than one player from the best team in the West, which might have like seven losses at that point. Yeah. And it's, I mean, Capella has a shot, I guess, this year, I, but he's kind of more of an advanced stats darling than a, than a per game. I wrote down either the short list. I just wrote down in the front court, Clint Capella per 36 minutes. Yeah. Like that's, that's the, uh, that's the qualifier there. Cause 
per 36 minutes, Clint Capella, 19.16 rebounds, two and a half blocks. Mm -hmm. But I don't think he'll get in over, you know, like Anthony Davis or anyone like that. Right. So, I mean, the wings and the the forwards are probably the most interesting spots because I think Kawhi's missed enough time that you can kind of rule him out. Yeah. I think I think it would be – it just – you know, he's missed 20-some games. That's too many to miss. Blake Griffin might not even be healthy at the All-Star break, yeah. and either way he would have missed too many. So, like, two guys who in years past when healthy have been locks are out. Um, and Gobert, you know, missing 11 games kind of puts him on the borderline as well. But you have Jokic – you have Jimmy Butler, you have Carl Towns, you have Andrew Wiggins, you have Draymond Green, you have Davis, Cousins. I mean, the list is pretty extensive. Right. Um, Kyle Kuzma, of, of course. course. Yeah. Um, and even, you know, Marcus Gasol will, will get some love, as he usually does. So, I mean, where do you where do you kind of go with the wings, assuming that we have at least four guards on this roster already? Oh, I didn't even mention Paul George, too. Paul George, yeah. Paul George, league in the league in steals, I think, per game. Right. Two and, and a half. People are starting to kind of take note of that, too. I think a lot of coaches are starting to acknowledge his defense, which has always been good, but I think has kind of gone unacknowledged in years past. Yeah, there's a lot of games where, like, I look at the box score, he's got, like, five steals. It happens, right. like, relatively often. Um, I think first in the front court is Kevin Durant. Oh, right, of course. Um, and then Anthony Davis. Um, I have a hard time not putting him in. Yeah, I mean, Cousins, the Davis Cousins thing. Right? Yeah, do you just put both of those guys in? I mean, they're. Just I think you dominant. go Draymond Durant Cousins as your starters. If that's me, if I'm Draymond, personally Durant, picking Cousins. the teams, yeah. okay, which I'm not this year. Right, not this year. Um, I think I would agree with that. I I thought about Jokic, but his numbers to me, like his his per game numbers, aren't really any better than last year. Mm-mm. He's shooting really well from three. Um, but he, yeah, I, I don't know if he can give in over like, like every, you know, all these, all these insanely good players in the West. Right. LaMarcus Aldridge has a case. Um, I think he's averaging like 20, 25 and eight almost. I think, yeah, I think right now he'll, you know, when you, when you look at the process of how reserves are selected, I think he's a guy that would be benefited by that. Like he's not going to get voted in as a starter. No. Um, which has, you know, partial fan component now, but I think yeah, I think I think you could probably pencil him in over like Towns right now. Yeah, Towns didn't make it last year, and he no. averaged twenty five and exactly. twelve. So he's not making it. Right, he shouldn't make it in this year. And it's like the Wolves have been better than last year, but it doesn't really feel like it yet. No. Record wise, it it's, it still seems like this season has been kind of a they've been slogging through these first twenty five games, even though they're fourteen and eleven, which by T Wolf standards is really good. It, it hasn't felt like Carl Towns has taken that next step this year. No, and he's 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 taken less shots, and mm-hmm. he's kind of getting exposed on defense. Like as the like the the Wolves are way better, but that's put Carl Towns in the spotlight a lot yes. more. And now everyone is like a lot of people are like reaming on his defense being not up to par mm-hmm. and him not playing as physical as he should. So I don't think his um, I don't know if his reputation warrants being an All Star this year. Unfortunately, I mean, he's a great player. Yeah, but I don't think he would get in. Uh, I would as put of right him over now, Anthony no. Davis or Demarcus Cousins. So I mean, if if the T Wolves get one, who is it? Probably Butler, right? Butler. Yeah. yeah. And the thing about but like Butler scoring less, but the rest of the numbers across the board are essentially the same. Right. Like the steals, it's all there. Like he's playing really well, and he and he even started off um, the year not like he had he, he really bad, struggled. Yeah. So I didn't even I didn't even uh, look up like how. Like his because the beginning of his year is dragging down his overall stats. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't even really looked at his 
is like if you only take into account his last yeah even just right if now. you just look at november or something yeah 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 when i think he has the narrative too you know of all right this team you know they made quite a few changes i guess this offseason but he was the major piece that has taken them from you know what did they win 32 games last year something yeah. like that to you know a team that looks like it could win 50 games like um yeah and teague and gibson are good players gibson's been surprising to me um and he's shooting corner threes that helps a lot for them yes. and so i just looked at jimmy butler over the last 11 games 23 points uh five and a half rebounds four and a half assists two steals he's shooting 49 percent from the field and 42 percent from three so that's it's pretty good on a winning team yeah it's that's pretty good so I, to me jimmy butler and paul george almost have their cases are similar statistically but the, the records are so different that mm. I think if you had to pick one, even though that may not be the case because of the front court and back court, I don't know if they'll qualify Paul George as. Um, I, I would guess front court, but I, sometimes, you know, they might with the bench. It doesn't really matter as much, you know, that's true. Like if he's not starting, it's kind of you can kind of fudge that a little bit. So you look at last year's roster, cross out Kawhi with too many games missed, probably cross out DeAndre. Yeah, I can't. You know, DeAndre that just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Uh, Gordon Hayward, you cross out for obvious reasons, and the next like most questionable guy on the list becomes Marcus Saul pretty easily. I can't put him in this year. He's shooting like forty percent. I think he kind of lost some respect around the league as well by taking the the brunt of the blame for the Fizdale firing. I think so. To me, I I don't even think about that. I just like the team. The team's lost a bunch of games in a row. He's really just not playing that well. Right. Like, I get Mike Conley's not there recently, mm-hmm. and that messes. But, like, is if we're going to start putting people in the All-Star game, we shoot 40%. Yeah. I, I don't know how, how good I feel about that. That's the thing. It'd be one thing if they were losing these games, but he was still playing really well, and they just didn't have enough around him. But it's they're losing, and he's not playing all that well. So I think it's pretty tough to justify. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, in terms of the East all-stars too, real quickly, I mean, Millsap, you cross off, he's going to miss too much time. Yeah. Probably wouldn't have made it anyway in the West. Isaiah won't be back. He won't have enough games. Other than that, the roster could look pretty similar. Obviously, you know, George and Butler, you just kind of transfer over to the West and mm-hmm. you eliminate Mello, who really wasn't an all-star last year. He just showed, he happened to have nothing going on when <laughs> Kevin Love decided he wasn't going to be able to play. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Like I said, we'll revisit this um you know in, in a month or two when we have a little bit more clarity when does voting usually open for this like, i want to say it's right around the, the new year i i'm not sure um hmm. let me see if only there is a large internet database we could check <laughs> i'm looking on basketball reference i don't i don't hmm. see a uh, they have an upcoming dates thing not seeing it on there voting for the 2017 all-star game began Let's see. Christmas Day. Oh. It begins, well, so assuming that that holds up, 10 a.m. Uh, Central Time on Christmas Day is when it opened last year. Okay. So, so Merry interesting. Christmas. Sooner than I thought. Yeah, we'll yeah. get those votes in as soon as yeah. you wake up. <laughs> wake up the family, open presents, and have your whole family vote for the All-Star game. <laughs> uh, okay, before we go, we have a new sponsor this week. It is Sports Yard. Uh, SportsYard is the latest daily fantasy soccer entertainment platform offering fun, fast, and fair contests. SportsYard brings an enhanced platform with the fastest real-time participant, to- participant point total upgrades, high-quality user-friendly application, fun and engaging graphics, and a level playing field that will allow beginners the same opportunity to win as the experts. 
Create your dream team roster with no salary cap on SportsYard. Track your point standings in real time and feel like you're walking the sideline. It's easy to play, and it's easier to win with SportsYard's lightning-fast interface and clear and current ranking system. SportsYard has signed a deal with Opta, which is the number one data provider for live scores. And that company plans to grow outside the U.S. to the U.K., Spain, Australia, and Ireland. So I guess if you live in any of those places, sit tight. Uh, SportsYard will be there soon. Just go to www.sportsyard.com to sign up today and play for free. Do you follow soccer whatsoever? No. I own FIFA 14 for Xbox. That's as much as I follow soccer. Yeah, we were talking about that a little bit, FIFA, at the party last night and like i don't follow soccer at all like i think i had backyard soccer for the oh, pc back right. in the day but you know kobe jones that type of thing um but yeah fifa just just became like you don't even have to really know the players if you're like in a, a college dorm in around the year 2010 for example like fifa games are just going on all over the place and like people who don't like soccer own the game i don't i don't know if it would if that works other ways like the people that don't like or watch the nba Still buy 2K. I doubt just it. To play. Maybe. Same thing with know. Madden. I don't know how many people who don't like football that much are playing Madden. FIFA has like transcended right. like fo- like sports followers mm-hmm. or even people who play video games like that often. Right. Because I feel like it is it is relatively pick up and play. I think so, and I think with it being an inherently lower scoring game, you can like the gap between the good players and the bad players. Maybe not like a really you know a really good player would obviously wipe the floor with somebody who's never played, but you know your friend who plays casually versus someone who's only played once or twice like you could still keep it within a couple goals whereas if you apply that to madden or 2k you know you're losing it's by 50 points right yeah yeah i think there's a fifa tournament coming up in the office oh, i've man. been hearing rumblings i'm trying to avoid that at all costs i i, I missed out on the madden tournament you so did? i might have to yeah i might have to jump in on i'm really, really? just waiting for a 2k tournament okay but See, might have to jump on i don't FIFA. know why we're not doing that more people i feel like would be interested i'll have to yeah we'll have to figure something out i won my first two games in the madden tournament was feeling pretty good and then threw six interceptions and lost by like four touchdowns with who what team <laughs> with the jags <laughs> I, I made a that. bargain yeah i made a bargain with the guy i was playing you know we, we you're supposed to pick random teams and i was like look the, I, the jags are like the second worst team on the game just let yeah. me be them you know it's it's more of an advantage for you anyway it's like if you pick the Bulls and, uh, you know, if you were playing 2K and you're like, can I just be the Bulls? I really, you know. Yeah, exactly. And I, I was thinking, like, yeah, like Bortles' speed rating's a little high here. Did not work whatsoever. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.